Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. All right, guys, we are here with legendary crappie catcher extraordinaire Dip McMillan down here on the Mobile Tensaw Delta. How you doing this evening? Doing pretty good, buddy. How about you? I cannot complain. I'm just sitting here just ate dinner, so just letting that digest and pecking away at this last little bit of work I had to do today. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. You told me we had to move our, our conversation back a little bit today because you said you was dropping off some uh, some fish fillets to somebody, so I assume you've got a pretty good fishing report for me. Yeah, man, the fish have been outstanding here um, the last few days. Um, I've been off since Friday, and uh, I've been catching a lot of fish, a lot of fish. Um, this morning, though, that bite, it, it was kind of slow, man, and we had a lot of rain, and that rain um, affected the bite big time. Um, that water from up north started coming down, and our river got kind of muddy last night. I tried to fish a new area today on the Alabama, and that water up there was just high and muddy so i had to come back down to tensaw late and uh i got on some fish and uh like i said i had to give some fillets away I, my freezer's full so but um uh, i caught some i caught some nice fish on tensaw mid-morning and um, i left around about 12 o'clock and um, i had a good ice chest full of some good slabs well that's that's good to hear so uh you talking about hiding from the muddy water and i know that's always something that we talk about anytime on the podcast we're talking about the mobile tensile delta is is water clarity and how that impacts the fishing is tensile lake kind of one of your go-to spots when the water's high and muddy or are there some other spots that usually perform well when the water's muddy when the water's high and muddy on when, uh, when i see barrel steam plant i go by barrel steam plant gauge if i see that gauge is six and above or five and a half and above I'm definitely going to stay south of um, Tensaw Lake. To me, that place up there stay muddy almost year-round. And when that water is above five and a half to six, that place is muddy big time. And like I say now, you can catch fish in muddy water, but I prefer the, um, to go south, um, Mifflin South, and um, be in some clear water and catch, catch some good fish. And plus, around Cliffs, um, all those lakes around Cliffs, McDonald's, Dennis, Broad Creek, and like I said, Mifflin too. That's my stumping grounds. I mean, if I'm gonna go fishing, make a good quick trip. Those are the areas I try to target. I got you. I got you. Good deal. Do you ever get up in anything? Uh, I know usually you can find real good clean water if you go up into Baymanette Creek aways, but I don't know that I've ever got up in there and crappie fish too terribly much. I know a lot of people. If you drive over to 225 Bridge, you'll see people out there spider rigging. But you ever mess with any of that? I fish down there um, during the winter time if um, the tensile is absolutely flooded and I got the urge to go fishing. But that's the, like I said, that's my last resort. But that, like I said, now that place down there got some of the beautiful water on the delta. I mean, beautiful. But that can also be a, a tricky place to fish too. And I and me, I rather fish the tensile. To me now, tensile got bigger fish and more fish. Sure. Well, were you catching them? Um, I, I think I seen on your your Facebook page post here recently that you was uh catching them some on 
shiners and then you was catching some on your jigs and last time we talked i think you were talking about a real natural color jig uh did that change for you they still hitting more or less the same color still on the same patterns or what's what's changed since we talked last i think it's been gosh almost a month yeah it's been a month and i wouldn't say it changed tremendously um like this weekend i've been a fishing tournament man and i go ahead and tell the secret now um i was um like you said i was fishing with a um a ATX, ATX jig called Old Smokey, and that jig looked just like a minnow, but the one I used got a split tail. And um, that jig, that jig this weekend, man, got us a third place finish out of eighteen strong competitors out of our Delta Crop Series. And um, that jig right now, man, is unbelievable, man. It like I said, and I look just like a minnow. It got a black top and like a silver belly, and with a split tail on it. And um, and I was using a pink head. And I'm going to tell you, man, we caught some absolutely giants off that jig. We caught a one of them with like a 177 and a couple of 15s, man. Around here, that's a big crappie. But they still hit minnows, too. We we use minnows, and like I said, we were catching half and half. And uh, But we were doing nothing but trolling. We wasn't single pole fishing. We were doing nothing but trolling and 10, 8 foot of water, man. And let me tell you, those fish was there, and they was hitting minnows and that old smoky jig from atx well last time i know we talked a good bit about uh you know targeting fish single pole fishing with you with your forward imager explain to me a little bit when you troll how do you go about that all right if i troll man it just depends if these fish is in suspended water or if they own structure they own structure when i troll is different they own structure i go use my side scan and i see that structure and that fish is on it i throw a buoy out and uh, that buoy gonna let me know i'm in the area that's when i put my four engine on which is live scope i put it down and i can see how active those fish are and me i just when i troll and i know fish is there i use four poles because if you use more than four in my opinion you're going to have a lot of breakups you're going to spook the fish and you're going to have a lot of good fish get off because you tangle it up or dealing with other other poles and you not concentrate on that other po- one at one pole that that big fish is on so i try to stay with four poles when i'm um trolling on structure now suspended fish now i um i use about six to eight poles because that's different you need to cover more water and um using minnows and jigs and that's what we did this past weekend these fish some of these fish were targeting suspended and there was bigger fish and that's what in that tournament we need bigger fish we ain't need to play with the small fish on structure so that's what we was talking this past weekend. I got you. So when when you troll, are you trying to follow the river channel, or do you pick a particular depth that you're trying to stay at? Do you troll on contour lines? Do you flow with the current? Do you drift with the wind? Do you run your motor? If so, like how how fast are you going? All right, that's a good. That's a very good question. Um, this past I know, weekend, I, know I cheated. Um, it's several questions wrapped up into one, but I've, I haven't trolled a whole lot for crappie. That's a very, very good question. A lot of people don't realize that. That's the most important question. Um, sometimes, man, you in in a lot of suspended fish, that that fish don't want it at point one or point two. This weekend, we had to spit it up and go point five to point eight. They want that. They want to chase that bait down and slam it. And that's that's man. I'm telling you, man, trolling like that is is fun, but it can be. I mean, you got to have a good battery. You got, I mean, everything got to play in, in, in play. You got to have a good battery. You got to have a good troll motor to keep that speed right. But that can be real fun. Um, and I'm um, trolling like that. Uh, but me, me personally, I like to troll, not going that fast because 
you, you got to have your eyes on, on, especially on eight poles, man, you got to have your eyes like a swivel. <laughs> but on these millennium rod holders, man, I guess if the, the, the few spider rigging that still spider rigging, we got the millennium rod holders. You usually, when you get a bite, you can feel it. It's like a thump in those rod holders. That's why I love those rod holders. If you're not paying attention or you're looking at one side of the of the pole, man, you can feel that thump, and that'll let you know it's a fish on somewhere. You just got to find it. There we go. Like you said, trolling on contour lines or channels and all that. Me, I zigzag. If I'm in a creek or you know, I zigzag and all depth. And once, and not a live scope is, you can tell where the fish had a live scope, but if you ain't got live scope, I tell people zigzag, right? This time of year, zigzag in eight to 12 foot of water. And if you get, and just, and just pay attention on your depth finder. When you, when you get a bite in that area, just try to focus on that depth. If you ain't got live scope. Sure. Do you, when you're, when you're zigzagging, I like that. It's just as far as hunting them down and trying different current. Do you kind of have a set depth that you like to suspend your bait set or do you spend a couple, do you put a couple shallow and a couple a little deeper? How do you usually handle that if you got six or eight rods out? Absolutely. I, um, if I'm, if I'm zigzagging, if I know I'm not going to go over 12 foot, I go from 10 to all the way up to six foot and just stack them out with minnows and jigs. I have, if I'm trolling eight poles, I have four minnows and four jigs. And probably about an hour or two hours, you can, it'll, it'll let you know which, which, which um, type of bait or if they want minnows that day. It, it'll, it'll let you know. You can narrow it down big time. I gotcha. Well, what, what's some other, uh, we'll, we'll kind of take a little 90 degree turn here. You were talking earlier about giving away fillets, and I know that you catch a lot more crappie than most people do. As, as far as keeping, crappie fillets and storing them how are you keeping all them crappie fillets are you freezing them in water or are you ziploc bagging them or are you um you putting them in like the little meat saver type devices to suck all the air out or how how you keep them yeah you can oh these crappies man uh, anybody can tell you they eat crappies they these crops can last long i mean you can put them in ziploc bags with no water um i know certain fish you have to put water in them to keep them fresh but crappie you don't i just get a gallon ziploc bag and just stack them down with fillets and i haven't had a problem yet and i've been doing this for years man so now certain fish now i gotta say that you have to freeze them with with fresh water but don't they they'll taste they don't taste good or fresh at all when you eat them but that crappie man it's a hard fish man you don't i just stack mines up in these um ziploc bags seal it tight and they'll be fresh when i'll thaw them out i got you what what do you use i'll, I'll trade you a fish fry recipe real quick so i had Several years ago, a guy come to my house and he had some, uh, I think it was speckled trout he brought and he fried and he coated it in mustard. I'd never seen that. He didn't do an egg wash or a milk wash. He sat there and he slathered that thing with mustard and then he battered it and he fried it. And when it got done, you couldn't taste the mustard, but it, but it held a batter real good. And it gave him just a little bit of, I guess it, it added just a little bit of a sharp taste to it. And I've been doing my fish that way ever since, but since you go through a lot of crappie fillets, I'm I'm open to being talked out of the uh, mustard wash if you got a better recipe. Man, I don't know that mustard. Like I said, man, that mustard. That's an old school. That's an old school trick, man. That that's the real deal. That's it how really you do is. Um, I do that too. Yes, that, that that's a, that's a good trick. And yeah. If I don't have that, I do the zatarans and stuff like that. But that mustard, man, you can't go wrong with that mustard. It it really surprised me. I'd always made up a, a egg wash or soaked them in buttermilk. I'd done different things, and he did that, and then uh. I found this one by accident, too, a few years before that. You talk about that Zatarain seasoning. So they, they got one 
that's there. I, I bought it because my father-in-law is, uh, he can't tolerate gluten. So I, I just found it one day. It was a gluten-free one. And I think it's there like Zatarain's Cajun seasoning, gluten-free with, um, it's, I think it's got a little lemon mixed into it. And, uh, that's good. I've had a lot of people come over to my house and ask for my, my secret recipe. And I ain't, I ain't let that cat out the bag yet, but I guess I'll, I'll do it now and say that it's just boxed mix. <laughs> <laughs> That's that man's hard to beat me. I love I love that season, man. Big time. I gotcha. Well, Dip, if, if people wanted to uh to get a hold of you and get on some good good copy fishing, what's a good way to get in touch with you? Yeah, um like I said, my number is all over Facebook on the Delta Crappie Series page, um, Dippy Outdoors page, and my personal page, Dip McMillan. So my we have flyers on there about tournaments and all my uh, flyers got my name at the bottom. So you can message me on Facebook or you can text or call me from um from on my number so it's it's easy to get up with me and if i don't answer i will get back with you as soon as possible yeah and for for new listeners so dip what he does is he's a little bit different he doesn't charge a, a set guide fee so much as he accepts donations um and he puts them towards a kids charity tournament that he puts on every year and i think that's coming up august 11th 12th we're right at a month out august from it aren't 12th. we yes sir august 12th there we go so if you go, if you go fish with him, he he's the man to put you on some fish, and then your money it goes towards a real good cause. Uh, all them kids they leave with with a lot of fishing gear, and they do drawings for you know special gifts on top of that. So, y'all definitely be sure to check him out and uh, dip. I definitely appreciate your time. Good luck out there next weekend. Oh, leave leave some I for me. It, <laughs> <laughs> I sure will. All right, guys, that was Dip McMillan. Dip's always a great interview. Hope you guys enjoyed hearing from him. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we will hear from some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Killer Dock. I hadn't even realized how bad it was. I was cleaning fish on rotten wood, and after cleaning just a few fish, I was filthy, and I had a sudden burn. I tried wearing a hat, but it just couldn't keep me cool. And how was I supposed to clean fish without getting messy? Killer Dock brings the upgrade that not only will keep you cool and clean, it'll make being on your dock more enjoyable. Killer Dock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to check out the greatest fish cleaning stations known to mankind. Also brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks offer numerous items to help get your project done right the first time. They carry a variety of different panel profiles and your choice of colors and gauges with all the matching trim and accessories. They also offer a full line of hardware items and post-frame building design. Their friendly and knowledgeable sales representatives are always willing to help answer any questions or concerns you may have. Contact them with any questions or to get a free estimate today. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters. All right, folks, for our next guest, we're here with Tracy Umber up on the Tennessee River System. Tracy, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Nick. How are you? You know, it's finally cooled off a little bit. It ain't cool, but it's cooler. So I'll take it. <laughs> it's 92 here. I don't know where you're sitting, but... <laughs> Brother, Ooh, it, was, it was last week I was telling people the heat index down here was 120. I mean, the surface temperature Ooh. on the water out there was 92 degrees. So... <laughs> Yeah, it, nah, it's been it's been miserable up here too. Uh, I post, matter of fact, I made a post on my fishing page the other day on Facebook about staying hydrated while you're on the water because it'll zap you quicker. It seems like to me when you're on the water than it does anytime. 
it, so, it definitely does. There's there's something about being out on a boat that will get you more hot and it'll make you hungrier too. I don't know what it is, but if I'm out on a boat all day in the summertime, I'll by the end of the day I'll be sunburned and I'll be starved about to death. So <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's so stay hydrated for sure. That's it. Well, I, I seen on speaking of your Facebook page, I was just glancing at it, and uh, I saw that I saw that here last week you had a live world that looked like it was pretty full with them channel cats. Y'all been catching them good up there? We have, we have. Uh, I don't do many catfish trips uh, each year, but you know I have several customers that 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 want some fish to eat, and they want lots of fish, so I take them catfishing. And these channel cats up here, I think. To me, they're they're one of the best eating fish we have between them and crappie. Uh, yeah, I'd rather have crappie, but the catfish eat good up here, and they're plentiful. Well, that's so, that's funny that you say that. Talk about people that want to eat fish and have a lot of fish. So I was just talking with Dick McMillan down here, and he's kind of the local crappie expert on the Mobile Tennessee Delta. And he had a uh, we had to postpone our meeting, had to bump him back later in the day because he was dropping off a bunch of fillets. And we actually talked about that kind of fishing for fillets and how to keep them and, and fish frying secrets. And uh, I've, I've run down here, I run trot lines in the springtime. I usually try to fill my freezer up. I'll run a trot line for a, you know, a week and you usually end up with enough. And uh, it surprises people how how good catfish are i've served people a lot of fish and and i didn't mean to lie to them i just told them well it's fish and uh i get halfway through eating that and they're like man what was that i'm like that's just catfish they're like you're kidding me and i'm like well they're a different it's different if you get farm-raised catfish versus you get a fish just living in a river they're i agree with you they're very good them little you know two pound eater channels are awesome hey you're exactly right uh you can soak them in a little salt water for maybe an hour before you you cook them and it's really hard to tell what they are it's just uh, and like i said up here they're plentiful the water is clean it's not not much stagnant water uh got good good current in it so i think that plays a part in keeping tasting good too i I think you definitely right i can i can tell a difference if i catch them from here some of the clearer cooler creeks and tributaries that got a little bit better flow and a little cleaner water versus if you catch them in some of the lakes where you get a little bit more you know sediment and just kind of mucky bottoms there's a there's a difference oh yeah how how, so how are you catching them how are you filling your live well up there what's your what's your summertime secrets for them them channel catfish you know these channel cats and we catch some blues too but uh right now these fish are stacked in behind the dam the wilson dam which is a uh a power generating dam with turbines uh so it's these fish are stacked up in behind the dams and what we'll do is pull up to the uh the edge of the boils i don't get right up next to the dam i don't really care for it so i just don't get up there plus it can be dangerous so i try to try to bring all my customers back alive you know that, that always helps to get them to come back but yeah it helps to repeat business yeah it does it does we pull up i use the same rods for catfishing as I do for my live bait smallmouth trips. Uh, it's a seven foot medium action spinning rod uh, with 10 pound test, uh, a barrel swivel, and a number four bait holder hook. Now, here's the nasty part about it I use chicken levers. <laughs> you know, I, I could probably catch them on uh, cut bait, shad, uh, skipjack, but, you know, when you can put 50 to 60 catfish in the live well before lunch, now, why change? Why take a chance on something that, you know, uh, the, the livers work. 
So you just put a chunk of liver on there and pinch it out, 15, 20 foot, and hold on. So you just yeah. freelining them out there? Yeah, yeah, it's freelining. Uh, okay. It takes a, it takes a little a little while to get used to kick, to setting the hook because most folks want to snatch, and uh, you don't really snatch to set the hook. You just kind of lay into it. Uh, it takes a little practice, uh, but after you know twenty or thirty minutes, you, you're catching catfish just like everybody else is. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. They're, the uh, good thing about it is. Uh, uh, the kids can do it. Mothers, moms can do it. Dads can do it. Uh, anybody can do it. And the boat I'm using, I'm in a 22 foot center console bay boat. That's big. Uh, you are in swift water, so I try to tell everybody, hey, keep your feet on the floor and you'll be fine. You know, up there behind the dam, I don't. I fish it all the time, but I'm scared of it every time I go up there. So I wear a life jacket. My customers wear life jackets. Uh, I think uh, I think that's a good we, way to be. We we have down here, we get a lot of high water later in the year and in the spring. And I I tell people if you ain't a little scared of it, you just don't need to be out there. So I I live here and can look at it out in my backyard and and it seems like every every year there's four or five people that get themselves in trouble. They'll they'll be running up the river flooded and there'll be a log coming down the river and they'll rip off a lower unit or they'll get pushed up in a strainer, have some trouble, their boat motor won't crank. And next thing you know, they pushed where they don't want to be. It can, uh, I hate it, but it's just about every other year. Somebody down here seems like they die. And I know them dams are dangerous too. I've been up around them a little bit. They are. Well, well, tell me about, you were saying that you was catfishing with the, with the same, rig that you was using to uh get after your smallmouth tell me tell me about that if you if you live bait fishing for smallmouth live bait fishing for smallmouth is the most fun you can have in a boat with your clothes on uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable we're using three to five inch shad nose hooking and drifting in the swift water as close to the rocks as you can get every now and then i'll bounce off of a rock i don't like it but sometimes you have those smallmouth will so get in behind those rocks. And the more current you have, the more fresh water you have, the better they bite. Uh, it's really fun. That starts up uh, in, toward the end of August and goes through the 1st of December. It goes on a little later sometime in the year. So I shut down and take off December. But we're, we're basically freelining those, too. Uh, you'd use a small split shot according to how much current you got. But uh, pitch it out. What, you're doing a lot of line watching and trying to keep your line as, as tight as possible. And uh, same way setting the hook there, you don't, you don't, you're not snatching it. You're you're just kind of laying into it and keeping good steady pressure on. I got you. We we yes. do a lot down here in the summer. I I free line shiners a lot for bass, and it's a uh, it's a it's a fun way to fish, and it's really it kind of gets looked down upon, but it it kind of has its own set of skill, like you said, line watching and having a sense of what that fish is doing. You know, making sure he's it's still alive, making sure you're not just floating a dead dead bait fish out there, keeping him up out of structure, and making sure he's not just oh, hiding yeah. on the bottom in the weeds somewhere. Like you really kind of got to pick up a sixth sense for what that fish is doing. It's harder than some people think it is. It really is, and up here we. If you don't have some good current, you're not going to catch many smallmouth. This river is so uh, current-oriented. Uh, even downstream below the dams, we fish some of the banks down there, some of the uh, Indian mounds and shell beds on down the river that has been flooded. Uh, without current, those fish are just, I don't know what they do. They just sit there. Uh, but when you've got some current, it, it, it clicks. Something, something in them clicks. They really turn on. 
Now this year we're going to have a good crop of grass down the river, down the below Seven Mile and around the Natchez Trace Bridge. That stretch there, six, seven, eight miles. Of, we're going to have a lot of grass this year, so we'll be we'll be floating some minnows along the edges of the grass line as well. We'll do a little cork fishing down there. It's sort of like the Okeechobee fishing with the the shiners. Uh, throw a cork out, uh, let them work their way around that grass. Oh yeah, and that's pretty fun too. That's that's you got that right. That is one of my favorite ways to fish. And down here we'll catch bass, and then you may turn around and catch shoe pick and chain pickerel and catfish. I've caught some nice catfish doing that actually. If you're a uh, right, right. if you're if you're fishing with shad. I think it's what you said you was fishing with earlier. How are you keeping them alive? Because I've always had just a devil of a time keeping Chad alive for longer than, you know, half an hour, it seems, in a live well. You got to keep uh, keep your water circulating. Keeping it clean is the main thing. Rock salt. Rock salt helps keep it calm. Uh, you can put a fish nearly into a coma with rock salt. And I've had, I've had smallmouth that belly up. I think, well, they're dead and have them in the live well. I threw them in there and left them in a little bit long, but you can put them back in fresh water and they'll break, come right back to life. I learned that. Uh, my son's a, basically a biologist. He graduated Mississippi State with a fisheries degree. And uh, the rock salt's how they calm fish, keep them calm. And uh, so it works with, with shad as well. Uh, put you a little salt in your live well or your bait tank. I've got, I've got a bait tank on the front of mine that I use, uh, but keeping, keeping your water clean, filtered, uh, I've got filters on my tank. That's the main thing, keeping those scales out, keeping the, the fish poop down and, and caught and clean. That's the main thing. I like it. That's a good, that's a good tip. Is there a, well, you, you catching your shad, you catching them with a cast net. You got any pointers on picking a good cast net for shad? Cast net. I just bought one this week. Uh, the, the bet old salt, Cast net, uh, one pound weights per foot is the way to go. With live scope, I mean, before live scope, I would have a, a six and eight foot net. Now that I have live scope, I don't need such a big net because I can see my bait or my net going down to the bait. And I have to make about three casts, four casts, and I, I'll normally have enough bait to last me four to five hours. There we go. So live scope has made a difference in catching bait as well. There we go. Well, that's that's all good information. Tracy, I know you're a busy man, but uh, before I let you go, if people want to reach out to you and uh, maybe book a trip with you, where's a good place to contact you at? Uh, Facebook, uh, Tracy Umber Fishing. I've got a Facebook page, and then my regular page is Tracy Umber. I'm also on TikTok at uh, Tracy Umber Fishing. Tracy Umber Fishing will just about, about get you hooked up with me. Uh, or you can shoot me a text, give me a call at 662-574-0649. Well, there we go, guys. Everybody listening in, definitely be sure if you uh, get a hankering for some catfish fillets, y'all go give Tracy a call. And Tracy, I appreciate you being on the show with us, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, guys, that wraps up another great segment. Y'all take a minute, check out some of the businesses that keep this show free for you. This episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rigs using traditional scent strips for pompano or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Family owned and operated in St. Augustine, Florida, 
They pride themselves on making reliably consistent fishing products for anglers of all ages all around the world. Fish bites, baits, and lures are made with pride in the Sunshine State here in USA. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. And brought to you by L&M Marine. L&M Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats to pontoon boats to bigger bay boat and offshore hybrids. L&M Marine LLC prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust. They are locally owned and regularly support the surrounding community. L&M Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, finance experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessories staff to fully support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff today. L&M Marine is located six miles north of I-10 at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama. You can also reach them by phone at 251-937-1380. All right, guys, we are back. And for our third and final guest today, we are talking to Tony Adams over on Lake Eufaula. Tony, how are you doing today, sir? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just sitting here watching it rain, happy that I got a dry roof over my head. How's everything going up there on Lake Eufaula? You uh, you were sending me some pictures, and it looks like uh, you're still staying on them, even though it's getting pretty hot. Yes, sir. The fishing's pretty good. You know, like I say, we've been dodging rain showers and, you know, that kind of stuff in the mornings and afternoons. So you kind of have to make sure you look at the weather report and make sure the weather's permitting. You know, it's some some people don't like to go when it when it's raining and storming. It, you know, it's a little more, more challenging because you've got to have your rain suits. And, you know, a lot of people like to go when it's real comfortable. <clears throat> Crafty fishing's been really good. Probably catching a lot more in the mornings now, uh, getting out there about daybreak and then fishing until about 1030. Uh, the bite's been really good in the mornings. Usually, first thing in the mornings when we put in, usually I like to hit more of the, the flats or the ledges, you know, a little shallow water, you know, maybe eight to 10 foot. And um, we've been catching them really good there first thing in the morning. And you can catch them either way. We've been We've been doing some with minnows. We've been doing some with jigs. You know, like I say, you know, the sun's just came up and I, I I feel like they've probably been in those flats chasing shad, eating through the night. The water's cooled off. So they came up, you know, closer to the to the top of the water to feed. And then um, as the water starts heating up, you know, after nine o'clock, we go a little deeper. We'll go 15, 20, maybe even 25 foot. Still a lot of fish. A lot of them still on the structure. We have, um, and those fish may range from anywhere from eight foot to the very bottom. Some of them hugs the bottom just as tight. So find exactly the depth, you know, where they're at is the key and then dropping the jig down to them or either the minna. Seems like the last couple of trips we've gone on is you drop that jig down or that minna and you raise that thing as slow as you can, bringing it up and they'll come out of those brush piles and just, just hammer it just dropping the minnows down and just, you know, letting them sit there. The bite's not as good as, as if you was taking that minnow real slowly, lifting it up. Um, like I say, those, those crappy come out of those brush piles and hit them down. The water down here is, is not stained. It's not clear, but you know, it, it's got a little, little tint to it. So, um, you know, we've been using a lot of clear looking jigs, you know, you could be the monkey milk or, Blue Thunders or, or, you know, any of those light colors. 
I like to fish with the orange or pink heads is my favorite. I use a 16th ounce, uh, I jig, you know, you can put the, the niblet in the, you know, the eye gives it a little scent, you know, it helps, but you know, I like the, the orange or the pink head and the Iho jig. And I like to use, you know, the lighter colors, you know, the border's not muddy and really stained, uh, the bites a lot, a lot better. Which also, you know, I put out a lot of structure. I put out a lot of bamboo, crepe myrtles, cedar trees, and stuff like that, you know, in the lake. And when I'm doing that, you know, I'll usually use about half the water column, you know. So if it's in 20 foot waters where I'm sinking, and I'll use a, you know, 10 foot crepe myrtle or bamboo, and that would be kind of my guidelines of, you know, where I like to like to place them. Also, like to place them on ledges because a lot of times those fish will get on ledges. I like to place that structure on the downhill side of the current. So if the water's, you know, running downstream, the water's kind of running over the top of it, not pushing right against it. Um, I use a five-gallon bucket, and I use usually a 60-pound bag of concrete. So the way I do it is I take my five-gallon bucket, and I'll set it there, and I'll pour about half full of water, and I'll pour my 60-pound bag of concrete into the water, and I'll take my bamboo or my creek myrtles, and I'll push them down into the bucket, I let them set during the summertime. It don't take as long to dry. You're probably looking at three to four days, and you're ready to go out there and and, and start putting a pile. Now it's according on what size bamboos, how many pieces you need. So if you use a bamboo that's really big in diameter, you can't use many because bamboo has air pockets. And if you're not really careful, if you use so many of them, then what happens is that that bamboo will float that bucket. So Usually the, the bamboo I like to use is about the size of your thumb. I like for it to, to dry out, try not to sink it green. And like I say, I, I push it down in the bucket, go out there and, and put it in my spots that I want it. And, um, you know, it creates a good, good fishing habitat, you know, for the fish to come, you know, they get out of the, out of the sun, you know, baked fish gets around it. So it's really good. And like I say, Creek Myrtles does the same thing. Used to do a lot of Christmas trees. Christmas trees don't last that long in this current that we have. Um, down here, you may get two years, maybe two and a half years, where on bamboo, you know, I've, I've seen some last four and five years with no problem. But you know, that's that's the real key is is you know, if you don't, if you're not putting stuff out, just looking for that natural timber, taking time. You know, I'd use the hummingbird helix twelves. I take my side imaging. You know, I'll just scan around, find my structure, mark it right over there, look at it. You know, most everything down here, if you find structure in 15, 25 foot of water, there's fish on it. And then I just drive up to it. I throw my orange buoy out. <laughs> Even though I've got the spot lock, you know, all that stuff, I still always like to throw a buoy out to kind of give me a landmark of where I'm at. And then, you know, like I say, then I, you can bump around. Or if you got mega live, whatever, you can kind of scope it in, find out exactly where the fish are and work that area. But if you don't, you can still catch fish without 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 those electronics. Just take it and take your trolling motor and just bump around and as you catch a fish in a spot, just kinda of look up where you where you throw your buoy out and that will give you a landmark about where the fish are. I got you. Well I, I do have one question. So you're saying that your Christmas trees would last for about two years and your bamboo would last for four or five how long does it usually take once you sink a structure? When can you expect fish to move into it? And does it get better after a few months or a year or two go by? You know, the, the structure that I usually put out this year, 
I usually don't fish it until next year because I like enough algae to get on it that it's really producing a lot of fish. Now, when I first started doing it, I could put it out and go back, you know, two or three days later and be catching fish on it. But I've I've got so many spots now that usually what I put out this year, I don't fish until next. I wait a whole year before I start fishing it. And you'll pull up on, on those piles and, I mean, you'll just, you know, there'll be 30 to 100 fish on one pile of structure. They're just, I mean, just, just unreal that the crappie we have on Lake Eufaula. We have, you know, a good average size fish here on Lake Eufaula. A good average size is three-quarter to pound and a quarter. That's a good eating fish. You will catch some, you know, two and a half, three, three and a half. But if you get anything over three and a half pounds here on Lake Eufaula, I mean, that is a good, real good fish. You just don't run across them real often. Yeah, for sure. That, and that's that's bigger. Something I've found out is that the, the fish that y'all report versus the fish that we catch down here, you know, they get bigger. Two, a two-pound fish down here on a Mobile Tensile Delta is a pretty big crappie. Um, they all definitely have an awesome fishery going on out there. And, and that's the reason that I asked about your structures, because I've, I've had to learn the hard way down here fishing that, you know, if you've got a, a falling down tree or something like that, and it's recent, it doesn't hold fish the same. And I, I agree with you that the, the algae is kind of what kickstarts that food chain, right? Like the algae starts kind of drawing your plankton and your smaller fish that your crappie are then going to be, be eating off of. Right. And it, it just seems like that algae really kicks stuff off. And I, I see a lot of people that are new and they'll find a falling down tree on the riverbank and, and they'll be fishing it. And it'll, heck, it'll still be green, still have green leaves on it. And, uh, I'm not saying you can't catch fish off of it, but I've I've just found that, you know, if I can fish two trees, if you got, you got two trees that you're looking at and one of them is done rotted and then the other one's still fresh, the older they are, it seems like the better the structure is. So that's that's good yeah, to know. Very much so. Yes, sir. Yeah. They if they're if it's an older tree, it's been there for for years or whatever, you know, the same way with the Christmas tree, the ones that we put out, I wait until the following year because I really don't think those crappy gets around those Christmas trees being green. Like, you know, there may be a few, but I, I'm just wondering if there's not a scent that, that that cedar puts off that, you know, maybe deters them from, from being around that, that tree. But, you know, crepe myrtles, bamboo works really good. It holds the algae. You know, it's really easy to fish. You don't get hung up as much. And, the, you know, you put them in a five-gallon bucket, they pretty much stand, stand right up unless you just put them in some current that's just super swift. And I, I like to put something out that's going to last a long period of time instead of, you know, your Christmas trees, where if you try to put them in buckets, you get, you know, maybe two years, two and a half years based on the current. What you've got there is now I do do put out a few Christmas trees, not as many as I used to, but I'm, I pretty much have gone to big cedar trees or bamboo or crepe myrtles. That's about all I do now. I get you. Well, what's this? This so we we kind of turned into uh, that this week's episode kind of turned into the uh, the the catch and release in the grease episode. I talked with Dip, and he was uh, driving to go give somebody some some fillets, and then uh, I talked with Tracy Umber, and and he was talking about some guys that he was taking out who specifically was getting on channel catfish because they wanted them fillets. And I see all these pictures that you that you sent me, and I see you also have no shortage of fish fillets. So, what's your uh, what's your best advice for keeping fillets fresh, and what's your best tips on cooking them? Well, you know, as far as you know, I always use electric fillet knife, lay both sides. I'll sometimes I will cut out the rib rib cage 
And sometimes I like to leave the rib cage in. It seems like with the rib cage in, it gives the, the fish a little better taste. And, you know, after I clean them, I'll put them in a Ziploc bag and, you know, with water and seal it and, and throw it in the freezer. If the fish is, a lot of people still like fish whole. And that means not laying them. You still got, you know, the bones, the whole nine yards. That's a better taste than fish to me is one that's not filleted. It has a, a better taste. So half my clients does it about half and half. Some scales them, some fillets them. What we do is we, when we, we fry fish, you know, we'll do them, you know, and we'll have, I always like cheese grits with mine, French fries, hush puppies. And then, like I say, you know, we just we just regular just deep fry them in, in the fry. Now, we have baked them. Baked fish is okay, but it's hard to beat a fried crappy, you know, just or a catfish or whatever. A fried's just so much better. But sometimes the doctor don't like that as much as, as <laughs> you know, them being baked, you know. And then if we bake them, we'll put a little bit of lemon juice or garlic, something like that on it, just to give it a little flavor because if you don't, a baked fish just doesn't have a whole lot of taste to me unless you put a little something on it to, you know, to kick it off. I reckon a fried fish has got all that grease that, you know, it kind of sits in there and, and soaks it up. But a, a fried fish is so hard to beat. I, I agree with you. I do uh man fried fish and grits and hush puppies. That's uh, a, I, I didn't realize I'd skip lunch until you just said that. And now all of a sudden I'm keenly aware of the fact that I ain't had no lunch today. Uh, and, and I agree with you on the baked fish, although I did, uh, you know, trying to, trying to be a little more health conscious, I started spending some more time and, and you exactly right. Like a little, a little more heavy handed on your Zatarans or, or your Tony Sheshery's when you're cooking them, if you're baking them, it turns out okay. And then that little squirt of lemon juice right there at the end, some butter and some lemon juice. And they don't do, they're not too bad in cheese grits. I don't, I don't, I'm yeah. with you. I prefer fried, but. I'm I'm here. I've I've had some people tell me that they're here for a good time, not a long time. But I'd I'd like to make my good times last as long as I can. So I try to strike a good balance there. So yeah, which we eat them. I mean, we don't eat them real regular, but like I say, we we bake them a lot of times. And you know, like I say, the butter, lemon juice, anything that will give it a little bit more, a little, a little kick goes a whole lot better than just a baked fish with nothing on it. But a fried fish, you know, it doesn't matter to me if it's got anything on it or not. As long as I got cheese grit, hush puppies, and French fries with it, I'm fine. That's it. That's it. Well, well, Tony, if some of our listeners, if if they're like me and they're hungry for some fish fillets now, what's a good way to get in touch with you? <clears throat> um, you can contact me, uh, Tony Adams. My cell number is three three four six nine five three zero zero three. That's three three four six nine five three zero zero three. Well, there we go, guys. Y'all, y'all heard it. Tony is the man. If y'all want to go catch you some big old lakey follow crappie fillets, and uh, y'all go check him out. And Tony, I appreciate you being on the show with me today, brother. Yes, sir. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. All right, folks. That's another awesome fishing report, and it has been brought to you this week by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or lake anywhere in the southeast. Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and stocking and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call 1-888-888. 
830-POND or email info at southeastpond.com. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up this week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And if you'd like for us to email you the podcast, just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767 to subscribe to our email list, and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator, bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, allometry, currents, and water color at hiltonsoffshore.com. Also brought to you by BucksIsland.com. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and service, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at BucksIsland.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rig or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at FishBites.com. Also brought to you by Crocodile Bay. Costa Rica is not just a legendary fishing and vacation destination. At Crocodile Bay, it's much more. They deliver inshore and offshore fishing expeditions to meet the highest expectations. Check them out at CrocodileBay.com to book your dream trip today. And by Hayabusa. Hayabusa, extremely well known for their premium sabiki rigs, but also don't forget their full line of saltwater hooks and jigs as well as freshwater bass hooks. See what you've been missing at HayabusaFishing.com. This episode also brought to you by Mallard Bay. Mallard Bay, book your next guided hunting or fishing trip with thoroughly vetted guides or charters. Plan trips, buy gear, go experience. MallardBay.com. <laughs>